comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. TV podcast episode one 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 eleven one eleven and uh, you know if you if you're lucky or lottery minded you might want to look into uh, betting that number. We're going to be covering the um, oddly enough the eleventh episode of the fourth season claimed. Uh, and joining me tonight, we're mixing up a little bit. Uh, we have uh, Aaron Newarth, of course, the, the the astute and stately, and of course the the uh, dulcet tones also of Mr. Brad Milo. Welcome back, Brad. Thanks, guys. How's, how's it been going? I haven't uh, haven't been available because of my dumb work schedule. Dumb work. Yeah. Things, things have been shambling along without you. Oh, that's, <laughs> they've sounded great. I've only got <clears throat> two free nights uh, during the week now because I work days into evenings. And I've been either recording my show or visiting with my children on those two nights. So it's kind of – and tonight, obviously, I'm not doing either. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to be back. It's nice to know that there are little Milo's that are just crying for their father right now. Well, they're not they're that not little, so little anymore. I was yeah. going to say, they're not so little anymore. No. Fair almost, enough. Almost 15 and 19, so. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, the one, <laughs> Anyways. Um, your oldest daughter's in college now, isn't she? Yes, sir. She is. Yeah. Brad, can I ask, um, what's been your thoughts on the kind of first uh, the first few episodes of this um, half of the season so far, since we haven't you know heard from you in a while? Um, we're, what, we're three in now, right? Yeah, so like the first two episodes, I guess. Uh, I've enjoyed them. They were obviously very different episodes. Um, the one with Carl and Rick and Michonne, uh, I liked it. You know, I think we all kind of expected certain things to happen in that episode. At least one particular scene, you know, came directly out of the comic. And obviously we, that was neat seeing that. But then, you know, having read it, it kind of took away from some of the tension. But I was glad they were able to put that in. Um, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed them. All of them, all three. This this season has been really great. I think it, Scott Gimple is doing a great job. Um, as always, I have nitpicks in each and every episode, but uh, for the most part, I, you know, I still look forward to seeing the show. I unfortunately I work till 9 p.m. Central on uh, Sunday nights, and that's when the show ends. So I have to go home and and queue up the DVR and watch it that way. But um, I've been uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm actually that same way. I've, I've kind of I wait for my friend to get off work, and then we all a bunch of us watch it together. And it always takes. <laughs> it's always annoying because I have to like avoid Twitter and Facebook for like hours since I'm on the West Coast, so I have to avoid the East Coast feed and then the then the West Coast feed, and then wait and finally watch it. 
Well, uh, you guys want to get on with the uh, the, uh, the going over the episode? Uh, we I don't think we have any major news to cover this week, do we? Don't believe um, so. Right, did y'all mention? Comes to mind. Did y'all mention last week that it had been picked up for season five? Uh, I don't think we brought it up, but I think it's kind of a given, I guess, for The Walking Dead <laughs> at this point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I the only reason I mentioned it is because you know during this last episode that we're about to talk about, they they had that little contest that they run, you know, where you find the keywords, and it had it mentioned, you know visiting the season or the yeah the season premiere of season five or whatever yeah. watching the first episode so i just thought if y'all hadn't announced it i think it's it's it, we always hope it's going to have a next season but you just never know uh, but i think it's awesome that it'll be back next season well i mean it's pretty much a money printing machine for amc every season's ratings unlike every other show on tv every season's ratings have been higher than the season before it just keeps snowballing i mean mo- like i mean we've talked about this before most shows you know, premiere high, you know, and then start to lose, you know, lose uh, uh, viewers by attrition. But uh, uh, Walking Dead is just exactly the opposite. So, I mean, while it's cool to know for sure there will be a season five, I mean, it's kind of, it, it, like Aaron says, it, 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 I, I never thought it, there was a chance there wouldn't be, you know. Yeah. Um, sooner or later, though, it's going to get closer and closer to, I mean, nobody thought Breaking Bad would end after the fifth season or whatever, you know. They didn't want it to end, and it, they probably could have made another season out of it. So what I'm saying is sooner or later it's going to be more and more possible that we won't be as sure that there will be another season but um, you know I think we're good for a couple more at least. Well interesting too I mean in the comics like uh, Eugene and and uh, and um, Abraham eight. and Rosita didn't show up till probably what trade number 8 or 9 maybe I know it was I mean it was after all the prison stuff in the it book. It was a little but... while after yeah 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 but I'm just saying if they keep on this pace I mean, they're going to end up catching up to the comic uh, storyline eventually. With you know, if they, I mean, it would probably be I don't know, maybe another couple seasons before we start seeing uh, uh, Negan and all those guys. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Negan uh, at the end of this season. Wow. Honestly, honestly, I do. I want that to happen. No, probably not because, like you said, there's so much good stuff in the comic that they still have room to explore, albeit you know with a different cast of characters and in a slightly different situation, like. And we'll talk about this, but, you know, the three new characters at the end of this episode, they joined the comic in a very different dynamic. You know, the group was different. uh, The situation was different. So there's still a lot of other um, type of stories and stuff that that they can get to. Well, I mean, plus there are a lot of plot elements that weren't in the comic. This whole Terminus thing. You know, those who arrive survive or whatever. Um, and that wasn't from the comic at all. And it's, it's a whole new storyline that we haven't even seen before, which is awesome, I think. It seems like it's something out of 28 Days Later. <laughs> Almost. I'm wondering if maybe it's different in name only and it'll be familiar to us once they get into it without spoiling anything for the... There, yeah. yeah, there are, there are certain plot lines, I guess, that it, this could tie to. Sure. Mm-hmm. To put it to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, interesting, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I think that's what keeps keeps me coming back to the show is the mix of both the familiar from the comic and the new, you know, the new twist on the situations and characters. So I look forward. I, like I said, I don't want to see Negan right away. Eventually I do. It would not surprise me if they jumped the gun and brought him in because he's such an interesting character and such different. He's so different than anything we'd seen before, but I, I do look forward to the day when they do catch up. So they are forced to be, completely independent from the comic. That way, we will know nothing. It'll be interesting, too. We have a lot of new comic um, 
based or comic themed shows coming up. I mean, you've got the Preacher uh, series, which is optioned by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldman, uh, with the producer from Breaking Bad uh, for AMC. Uh, we got, you know, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Gotham series that's in development, you know, all these different things. It'll be interesting to see whether they, they take the Walking Dead model of like, you know, using, you know, a little from column A of from the comic and a little column B from original storyline and mixing them up or whether they're, you know, slavish to continuity or not. I think it's, it's interesting to me anyway. It's a, it's a good time to be a geek. Hell yeah, yeah brother. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the, to the episode. All right. I can... I guess I'll take the reins from here in terms of going into the episode. This is episode 11 of season 4, claimed. It was directed by Seth Mann and um, written by Nicole Beattie and Seth Hoffman. Um, we pick up with this episode right where the previous episode left off. Um, we have Tara sitting in the back of the truck bed of, Ab- of Abraham's big military vehicle. Um, she, We see her writing the street names and landmarks on her hand as the truck drives past them. Uh, they stop the car... They stop. They stop at a car pileup that blocks the road, attracting which attracts three nearby walkers that start beating at the back of the truck. As Tara prepares to shoot them, Abraham orders her to stop and instead gleefully puts them down with a crowbar. Tara observes this is the first time she sees someone smiling when killing walkers, and Ab- and questions Abraham about it. And Abraham explains, "It's because I'm the luckiest guy in the world." I thought that was an interesting observation, and I was trying to figure out. I didn't know what she was getting at when she. I can't remember how she worded it, but she was like. So, you know, she said something like, I saw that, or, you know, that was odd what you just did. And he's, you know, and just the fact that it probably is the first time we've seen on the show somebody taking joy in in killing the walker instead of freaking out about it. I thought that was a a very interesting way to look at it. Yeah, we've seen seen people, I'm sorry, we've seen people take them out in fear. I mean, we've seen people take them out in anger and frustration and just absolute, like, end of their rope, uh, uh, you know, um, fatigue. But I think you're right. I think this is the first time we have seen someone just, like, gleefully working their way through. I mean, I guess the closest would be Michonne, but she's more methodical. It just seems like more more clockwork with her. You know it's more I mean? like she takes them out like they're weeds. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think Merle um, might have his kind of... Yeah, got, yeah. Not necessarily yeah. gotten off on the idea, but, I mean, he's certainly... He's ex- he's expressed how simple it became for him once he had his kind of bayonet arm. And... Right. Why do you think Abraham called himself the luckiest guy in the world? Is it because he's still alive? Is it because he thinks he's involved in something meaningful? Uh, in other words, getting Eugene to to Washington, or why why do you think he said that? Because I honestly don't know why he would have said that. I think that plays into it. That last point of where he's involved, he's he believes himself to be involved in a mission that could you know change the world, and he's adding obviously a level of sarcasm to it, but. He he finds himself in a position where he's suited to be doing something that's basically horrible, where he has to you know kill off people that are already dead all around him. And because he's so physically suited to doing the task, and he stepped up to take on this idea of saving the world, that he's just you know what, that's what I am now, and that's that I mean, makes I guess that makes me the luckiest guy in the world. I, that's kind of. Well, I mean, plus he's from. a he's a close quarters combat specialist. I mean, this is what he's trained to do. This is. It's what he's born to do, you know, this is what he does, you know. So being able to constantly do it 24-7 all the time, you know, the walkers is kind of, you know, him finding his calling in a way. I want to I want to get this out of the way a little bit just because it's, it'll come up again. But I've been talking about my thoughts on Tara and Alana Masterson as Tara over the past several episodes that have, you know, involved her. And uh, I haven't been, I haven't always been as warm to her. I can say she's improving for me in, in this episode. Um, I, 
I'm I'm starting to get past it. So yeah, I don't have the distaste for her that you do, but I just yeah. kind of find her uninteresting. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't like her; it's just that I'm I'm kind of bored by her already, and we just met her. You know? Yeah, and I I, I, I can just say that I like I like this kind of the kind of interaction she's been having she has with Abraham throughout this episode, and it's it's working to turn me around on her character. This that girl's not in the in the comic, right? I do not believe so. No, yeah, I, don't I don't think so. No. I don't either. Where no, she's I... not. She's yeah. She's she's from the so. um. She's she she is in the 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 Walking Dead Rise of the Governor novels. Oh, okay. I've read the first two. I have not read the first part of the last chapter. She's in the Rise of the Governor novel, I guess. Yeah. So that's that's where her huh. she stems okay. from. Yeah. All right. So she is. If she's in that book, then she's canon. I guess so. Because I'm pretty sure that Kirkman has said those novels are canon. I think that, I believe that's how we're supposed to take them. Yeah. I haven't read them either. I've read the I read the first part of the first novel, but I just haven't read, got like deep into them. So I read I didn't I read the first one. We could talk about this, or we could just not. But I'll just say I read the first one and wasn't real happy with it. And then I read the second one because I like stories and continuity, and I'm a little OCD, so uh, I liked it better than the first book. No, there you go. Yeah, so let's hope it gets better. All right, let's let's continue. Okay. Um, so, following that cold open, meanwhile, Michonne and Carl enjoy cereal for breakfast while Carl's or while Carl ribs Michonne on her new shirt. Michonne remarks that she'd love to have soy milk, and Carl recalls his own dislike for it. Uh, he'd rather drink Judith's formula than soy milk. Than soy milk. This reminder of his lost sister upsets him, and he leaves the table. Um, later Can on, I stop you. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, doesn't that cereal have to be like really, really stale? If you're hungry enough, who cares, you know? I guess. If it was you know enough. what, in our house, because we live on a farm, we keep everything in Tupperware containers. So It could have been, like, recently unsealed, too. They could have, it could have yeah, just been unopened cereal. But, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a year-old gr- granola sure. or whatever they're eating. So. I just, I love all the, uh, this episode reminds me of the, um, uh, uh, oh, uh, gee whiz, the, the, uh, the episode with Morgan, um, Clear. Um, clear. Thank you. Um, where we get these great moments with Michonne and Carl, you know, at, playing off each other, kind of, at, you know, acting together and uh, kind of feeling each other out. And this episode really, I mean, kind of showcased that all through it. I really, I really like these moments, this, this part of the storyline. I completely agree. I think these two have great chemistry together. And it's amazing how, like, a character like Carl, who most people found annoying, and a character like Michonne, who a lot of us were kind of left wanting more, given that she was just standing around silently last season for a good portion of it. They've now become maybe the best emotional center of this series at this point, where we are next to Rick and Carl, and maybe, I don't even know who else, like, what, Glenn, I can't say Glenn and Maggie really, like, make me think, man, Walking Dead's so emotionally important because of those two, but, like, Carl and Michonne together, they just have a great relationship, and it really plays well here. Because, I mean, they're coming from so so many different places, and I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's so nice to see uh, Denagura be able to, like, act, you know, and and talk in any mode, and look like, really let us know a little bit more about Michonne instead of just, you know, like you said, all through season three, just scowling at everything. Yeah. And we'll get to, you know, more of what she does later on. But I mean, yeah, it's a good episode for both of these characters. Mm. Okay. Um, Rick thanks Michonne for making Carl laugh because he can't be both Carl's father and his best friend. So Michonne's friendship is important to Carl. Michonne tells Rick that she and Carl are going to go on a supply run. Rick wants to go as well, but Michonne tells him he needs to rest. Instead, Rick gives Carl his Colt Python and Michonne and Carl say they'll return by midday. Rick wanders upstairs to the master bedroom and falls asleep. Is this the first time he's passed off the python to Carl? 
I think so. that's what I was wondering too. I think so, right? Because I mean, that, that's kind of symbolic. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's his his gun is his signature gun through the entire series that, that he's trusting Carl with it. I mean, is for me it was huge. I mean, I, unless I'm missing, unless I am misremembering that he's let him use it before. Yeah, I don't remember him ever using he's, it. Yeah, that gun. I mean, he's I mean, given he's, him yeah, that other particular guns. one. I, yeah. yeah, he's he's had obviously had others, but I think that's the first time we've seen him with that huge silver gun. Yeah, I mean, when the show started, the gun was bigger than him. So <laughs> it, it's, he's certainly grown into it, just like that hat. They kind of got a Walt from Lost thing going on here with Carl, don't you think? Yeah, except that they've planned it out, so the show makes sense as opposed to, oh, we got to figure out what to do because we forgot the kid's age. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on. After clearing their first house, Michonne tries to cheer up Carl uh, by use of, what, crazy cheese. Um, an offhand remark... That she is better with younger children prompts Carl to ask her about her past. Michonne reveals that she had a young son, confirming that she had a young son for, for, for finally, that we've, you know, we've all kind of known it, but now we, you know, really know it, uh, before the apocalypse, which surprises Carl. As he presses her for more detail, she promises to reveal more as they clear a second neighbor's house. Like I said, these character moments with Carl and Michonne are great. I mean, I, I'm so glad we got to see, you know, have all this in this episode. It's, it's made it one of my favorite of the season so far. Anything that I was going to say something mean about Carl, but I decided not to. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll just stick with the image of Michonne having crazy cheese in her mouth and like making Walker noises at him. And that was, it was, it was like, yeah. oh, that's, that's kind of nasty. Far cry from the Michonne that we, you know, we've seen before in the show. Yeah. Okay. I'll just say it. I yeah. can't, <laughs> I haven't been able to get over Carl being a little bitch to his dad in that one episode. Uh, you know, I, I understand his frustration and his helplessness that he's feeling and his anger, but he was not nice to his dad. Now, and, do you see that? Do you see that as an issue from like a writer's standpoint or from a character standpoint? Because I don't, if it's a problem from character base, like I can, yeah, I'm, I could be frustrated too, but like, it, it's like, oh, he's a kid and he's annoying. That's, that's, that just <laughs> bothered me. I, I just didn't, I didn't like him being mean to his dad. The only reason Carl's alive is because of his dad. And I know yeah. that when you're a kid, you say things you regret to your parents. I I mm-hmm. remember very vividly a conversation I had with my father when I was in high school that I regret to this day. But I still didn't like seeing him like that. See, I, I agree with you completely, but it's, I I can't fault the show because it just it may, it seems real to me. It seems like he, that's something that could transpire sure. from the events that have happened. It, I don't think like it's a absolutely. It did not yeah. seem out of character. I just didn't like that character element. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, I, again, I agree with you. I, like it's, I, I certainly like seeing Chandler Riggs kind of stepping up into these more more challenging material than just like i'm gonna kill people i'm annoyed or whatnot like he's he's grasping at different emotions that come from the place of his mother recently died his sister baby died they're both beat up they both got forced out of the one place they could call home all their friends are gone like all these different emotions are rolling around in this character's head and like it comes out in you know not ways that are the most you know preferable yeah like like when he said shane taught me that remember shane Holy crap, I just wanted to punch him in the gut and give him a swirly. You just don't talk like that to your parents. You know what I'm saying? It just Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Like, oh my gosh. The that's same, just the same kind of for. the same kind of thing happened in this episode when he started like pressing Michonne with all these questions. I I, I literally yelled at the TV, it's like, Shut up, Carl, God. Like let her, leave her alone. You may think you're a man now, but you're still a 
kids and just shut up. I mean, he's obviously working stuff out. Like you said, Brad, at that age, I mean, you, I mean, your body is so uh, hopped up on all the different chemicals and hormones that you're going through growing up. And he's also grown up in a zombie apocalypse. So, I mean, he's obviously going to blossom steam and his dad. They're going to, I mean, they're going to patch it up and get back together. It's obvious. I suppose I could cut him some slack. We'll just ground him for a couple of weeks and take away his internet. And pudding. No pudding. No pudding. Okay. Uh, Rick is startled by Roush's commotion of men entering the ground floor of the house. One of the strangers pleads for mercy as the larger group tortures him. At the sound of foot falls up the stair towards Rick's bedroom, he dives under the bed. Uh, someone named Tony collapses. He walks into the room. He walks around the room. He kind of gets a, a read on the floor he's on, I guess. And then he just collapses on the bed and falls asleep. Okay, I want to say something about... Not only that part, but the whole part when he's dealing with these uh, intruders. I was really, really happy with the way they shot this this whole uh, plot. I was too. Plot point here. You never you never see their faces for the longest time, and I thought this is great. This lets me know that I'm not going to have. First off, I'm not going to have to be introduced to a bunch of new characters, so I don't have to stress out about that right now. It keeps the it doesn't personalize them. It keeps them scary. It keeps them unknown. And I believe that really made it more tense, you know, uh, more. Uh, I think I had white knuckles on occasion watching that, that episode. I mean, those those scenes. And then, you know, later we see a little bit of one of the guy's faces or whatever. And, of course, we see the man mm-hmm. in the bathroom. But I think for the most part, those really... A good artistic choice to not show their faces. I love this I really Twilight Zone it. where where Brad and I are in complete agreement on a lot of the points for this episode. Because I, I, <laughs> I know I felt like I walked into the wrong podcast or something. No, no Jordan and you guys are agreeing on everything. What is wrong? I, I, everything you just said is exactly why I like the scene. It's very focused on Rick and his plight to get out of this situation. It doesn't try to introduce anybody else. It just focuses on Rick's struggle to get out of here. And yeah, and we're only seeing what Rick can see, exactly. which yeah. which really added to it. And it's super tense. Yeah. And and now he's he's disarmed. I mean, he gave his gun away to Carl. You know, he's he's yeah. helpless as well. I mean, I also have to say, Rick's Andrew Lincoln's sleep acting just looks fantastic because he, he seems like a guy that could use a rest. And whenever he needs to put like whenever he has to, he gets a chance to sleep. It always works. Like it just makes you feel like relieved that he, oh, it's like finally this man got some sleep. He, nice. He may actually be taking a snooze yeah. during those scenes. Well, it's hot in Atlanta. <laughs> Filming this. Zombies everywhere. All right. Um, so we're getting away from that for now. Let's move on to Michonne, who confides in Carl, sharing the secret of her son's name, Andre Anthony. She discovers an undisturbed set of chil- She then discovers an undisturbed set of children's rooms. The last room belonging to the youngest child contains the deceased remains of the family who committed suicide together. Shaken, Michonne slams the door shut blocks Carl from seeing the room, and then Carl tries to comfort Michonne with the thought that Judith and Andre, Andre Anthony are in heaven together. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was a rough scene. That was a rough scene. I was going to say it was a brutal scene. It really was. It was It was very eerie, too, just the lead-up to it, because you get to... I mean, I'm, like it, the lead, the build up is like Carl hands Michonne a painting. It's like this weird painting, like all, and so she and she looks back to the room. So she goes into the room, and you're like, obviously you're thinking, oh, there could be zombies in here. That could be terrible. She walks through this room. There's like innocent children's playthings and whatnot. Then she opens the next door, and it's this like crazy pink room that's very just throws you off because it's such a a different, you know, the the most of the show is very grimy and very lived in. This is just this completely pink and 
feathery heavenly room and and there's just mm. dead people inside and it's just I sad. thought maybe we were going to see like a some type of zombies that we hadn't seen before and I don't know how else to say that but but that's not exactly accurate but you know I wasn't I wasn't certain whether these were zombies or not until we saw like the one shot of the guy's head yeah you know open on the backside I thought well what if these are zombies that have just been sitting here doing nothing and her commotion is going to wake them up you know, but they did look a little different. They looked decayed. They didn't look zombie-ish enough, but I wasn't sure. And then when we saw that, you know, the head yeah. shot, I was like, oh, geez. It was a kind of uh, juxtaposition of like that, you know, candy, pastel, pink and everything. And yes. the, the suicidal family. It almost reminded me of like the little sister's rooms in Bioshock. Just kind of that yeah, weird, yeah. weird kind of crazy juxtaposition of like something that's so, so pure and, and, you know, just, um. And something so hor- horrifying. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's distur- especially in an episode like this, which I think is, given all the Abraham stuff that we'll get to, like it's more comic-y. It's more comic booky than I think a lot of the other episodes. But this is the kind of stuff that really grounds the show and its kind of dourness that I'm not always like, every week we have to see this and it's a little bit of a chore. But sometimes it's like, oh, that, yeah, it's effective for sure. <laughs> but uh, all right, moving on. While Rick continues to hide under the bed, uh, Len enters the room, disputing Tony's claim of the bed. Len knocks Tony to the ground. Tony spots, spots Rick under the bed during a fight, but he's choked unconscious by Len before he can reveal Rick. Satisfied, Len begins napping in the same bed. I thought uh, I thought he killed that guy. I thought he just choked him to death. Yeah, I did too, actually, when he did that. Yeah, that's because... what I thought, and then it came back from commercial, and it's like, oh, he's, yeah. just, he's still breathing, but... Did we see him again breathing? We we got another shot of like when I think when he was escaping, we got a kind of a shot of him that that showed you that he's not dead; he's just unconscious. Okay, or at least see, that's, that's, thought, what I, that's what I took from it. I, mean, I think it's I the was, weirdest. Oh, it's the weirdest remake of R. Kelly's "Trapped in the Closet" ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking that that shot we saw of him where we saw him breathing was like him reanimating as a zombie because you know we've seen that before when. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. I could and, see that. And uh, obviously later we'll get to it, but, you know, zombies are in the house because of certain things that happen. And I'm wondering, I was thinking that maybe, I said zombies, maybe it is just zombie, but if we take this guy, you know, on the bedroom floor, it could have been at least two zombies in the house because of what we'll talk about here in a little bit, which is a great scene. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I... I agree with your boys, and I see where you're coming from. I, from the look of it, it just seemed like he did. I mean, he did just kind of choke him out instead of kill, yeah. killing him. I think. Yeah, just, I just wasn't sure. I think it's just more of like, you know, idiot man guys, man sure. child, children just fighting for no reason. How many of us haven't <laughs> choked you know, each choked other someone out unconscious <laughs> because we wanted to sit in the comfy chair? <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah. Come get a sleeper hold. Yeah. Boys will be boys. You know. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, and by the way, I because I, I want I thought of this while I was watching the episode, but then someone actually did make the kind of meme of it, and I think um, Mike Jones posted it on the Walking Dead Facebook page. Um, the kind of Rick under the bed shot, cut with uh, Liam Neeson and Taken saying, "You're about to be taken." Like that. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Um, all right, moving on. Cutting back to Abraham on the back of Abraham's truck. Glenn wakes up just wondering what the hell's going on. He bashes the back window until Abraham angrily stops the truck and gets out. 
Glenn insists on resuming his search for Maggie, but Abraham tells Glenn he is dis- disrupting the mission. Abraham reveals that Dr. Eugene Porter knows what caused the apocalypse, and since his communications with the government officials have been cut, Eugene and the group are on their way to Washington, D.C. Abraham acknowledges Glenn's loss, but he states that every extra body is needed to get to Washington. Glenn doggedly tries to leave again, but after Abraham insists that Maggie is dead, Glenn punches him in the face. Abraham tackles Glenn, and the two brawl. Want me to keep going a bit, or you want to stop there? Yeah, keep going. Okay. I mean, it's All just right. like one sequence yeah. here. While Tara and Rosita try to stop the fight, Eugene spots walkers emerging from the withered fields surrounding the road. Clearly unfamiliar with an assault rifle, he fumbles and sprays the truck with bullets, r- rupturing the fuel tank. The group then... Re- <laughs> yep, one of those, one of those classics. <laughs> oh, Eugene. Um, oh, Eugene. The group regains focus with the sounds of gunfire, and together they eliminate the walker horde, after which Glenn and Tara set off to find Maggie. With the truck out of commission, Rosita follows, U- and Eugene convinces Abraham to go along for the time being until they can find a replacement vehicle. All right, I have a few things. Yeah. Obviously, the three of us and comic book readers who are caught up know where this is going. Yeah. Or have some idea of where these characters are going. I wish I didn't because I think I'm trying to say it without, you know, giving away anything at all. But I think what happens to these characters, at least one of them, I won't even specify male or female. I wish I was surprised when it happened in the comic. And, uh, I wish that I didn't know that that was a possibility because I'm all, I'm always going to be wondering if it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I can say that it's how not, it's going to happen. You know, I, 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 but yeah. to be fair, I mean, you don't know that it's going to happen. I mean, that, I know. these stories are are different enough that I mean, this is true. This is like like I keep saying, you know, for, for comic book heads out there, this is like the Earth Two Walking Dead. This is like an alternate timeline. You know, I mean, you don't know that that's going to happen that way to I know, that person but, at that time. And but anyway. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the idea that it's possible, and so the the curiosity gets a bit overwhelming sometime. Like, I wonder when we're going to find that, find out this or wonder when this is going to happen. And, and all I'm saying is that I wish, I wish I could just watch it. Sometimes I wish I could just watch it without knowing what's going on. You know, some of my non comic book reading walking dead fan friends come to me and they go like, especially after this last episode, they said, you know, I, I don't think this person is, is what this person seems to be. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. And they're like, please tell me. I'm like, no, just watch it. I have an answer, but I'm not going to give it to you. So I, I kind of wish sometimes that I didn't know squat about it. But then again, knowing a little bit kind of makes you feel like you're a little special. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's not a, it's not bothersome to me that I, I at the very least have an idea of where this has to go. Just, and that even comes from based on, the show when it's setting in general this is going to be the most frustrating part for listeners that don't read the comics but um it's i i certainly don't know how things are going to happen and that's what excites me i mean yeah i mean i've watched this entire show so far and certain things had to happen certain not necessarily certain ways but they had certain events had to take place and i know an event's going to have to take place involving these three new characters that's going to return things to a certain position and so like i'm excited i'm excited to see how they go about accomplishing that mainly because i like these characters i like that they're very big and broad and over the top as opposed to not necessarily complex because none of these characters are really that complex but just kind of uh, the the environments are shaping them as opposed to them just being who they are already and being inserted into the environment that's what i'm taking from abe rosita and eugene they're just like these big broad characters who are exactly who they are already 
and so we'll see how they blend into this world and I like I like that I like I like Eugene's weirdness and I like Abraham's very un- upfront manliness and I thought, <laughs> I thought Eugene was like I was like is this guy a robot because he was he looked like a Terminator he would stand there and his head would just swivel to the left like he's looking and then it would swivel 180 degrees to the right like he was looking he was just standing there doing nothing while all this nonsense was going on the fighting and whatnot he just standing there like really and then later <laughs> when they start to follow. Rosita, he's like, trust me, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I was like, seriously, you just killed the truck, and you're gonna say you're smarter than him? <laughs> it's it's really silly. Yeah, he went yeah. to the Andrea School of Shooting. Yeah, and honestly, this guy who who like he's presumably been following along with Abraham for a good time now. Like, he should know not to just start spraying bullets all over a truck. <laughs> God, but. I like that. I like how silly this kind of stuff is, where you have like Rosita wearing hot pants and Abraham being this just big manly guy, and Eugene just being weird. Like those things are they're they're an element of fun that you don't see on this show very often. Everything's yeah. so serious all the time, which obviously it needs to be because it's The Walking Dead. It's about the sure. world's ruled by the undead, and like things aren't going to get better all of a sudden. So, how many of us know somebody in in real life where? We'll meet him for the first time, or, or you know, we've known him for a, a week or something, and we go, "Is this guy for real? Is oh, he? Yeah. <laughs> is he putting me on? Is this? Is he? Is he doing a bit, or is this really him? Yeah. You know, I so. thought it was pretty funny. I think I read it in, at the end of your review, Aaron. It's like, who wears short shorts? Re- Rosita, Rosita wears, wears short shorts, shorts definitely. <laughs> it's hot Lana. I can see why. <laughs> it gets warm down there. When you got Abe in your driver's seat, like you know, <laughs> you're you're fine. You don't need to worry about yeah. these. These three are some of the most faithfully translated visually characters. Uh, I said that backwards. Vis- most faithful visually translated characters from the comic. And it was very cool seeing that. Yeah. It's nice to see the show kind of embrace it head on for a change and not just kind of homage it or do what they can. And I mean, I, we like the show I in general, see? obviously. So. Oh, here it is on the on our podcast Facebook page. <laughs> Mike Jones posted uh, a picture of... Eugene from the comic and his haircut says science up front party in the back. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> I liked it. Nice. All right. So moving on, um, wait. that whole fight scene again, just really silly. <laughs> Don't talk about my wife yeah. that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on back to the serious stuff with Len asleep and Tony unconscious. Rick gingerly eases out of the, from the, under the bed. Just as he clears the room, excited shouts wake Len. The group has discovered Michonne's old, freshly laundered shirt as the men declare claims on the women and prepare an ambush. Rick darts into a washroom, surprising a third survivor who is using the toilet with his pants on, I noticed. Um, <laughs> in the ensuing scuffle, Rick strangles him and loots the submachine gun and jacket. He then climbs through the window and down the roof. Rick is preparing to kill the porch lookout before he spots the approaching Michonne and Carl. Uh, when commotion and gunfire erupt in the house from, like, the reanimation of the man Rick had killed in the bathroom, uh, the lookout then leaves, Rick sprints towards Michonne's and directs them away from the house. So, yeah, this just, I mean, this just continues on with what we already liked about the under-the-bed sequence. I mean, it's just Rick, it's, the focus is completely on Rick, it's really tense, he finally gets into the bathroom, there's a surprise there, and he has to kill a guy, <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, not great, but greater good or you know survival whatnot and uh i really like like you were mentioning before i really liked the way it was um uh you know from rick's point of view you know there weren't any other camera uh you know shots from around the house really which is all rick you know working his way out it reminded me very much of like a stealth video game too you know what i mean where he had to make his way through and not be spotted and then 
you know, sometimes you find a surprise like somebody on the John or whatever that you have to kill in Splinter Cell or whatever, but um, I really like this sequence a lot. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that, um, I wouldn't say this is Rick at his best, just because he, you know, it's completely wordless, and I do think Andrew Lincoln's up to the task of taking on some of the speechifying that Rick's known to do, but it is nice to see just Rick in action to an extent, where he's mm. doing things that are completely physical but don't require him to kind of give a big talk to why we need to work together, like any of that nonsense. It's just more of he needs to get out of the situation, and he's good at that. And the the, the show relies on his kind of physical ability to escape a situation with the least amount of violence possible, which there was some because there was a death involved, but, I mean, it's it's not him trying to work things out with words. It's trying to work him out of a room using, you know, stealth abilities. Right, right. I forget who it was I was talking to. It might be my... My younger daughter, my almost 15-year-old, she, um, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, she binge-watched the first three seasons on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, and she's, like, obsessed with it now. And then um, I let her see the all the current episodes uh, to catch her up, and then she actually watched this episode we're talking about. She watched it uh, when it aired, so now she's current, and she's she's all happy about it. She changed her Facebook cover photo to Walking Dead something or another. But um, anyways, she goes... Uh, I don't understand why these people picked that house. There's all these houses to go in. Why did they pick the one that Rick was in? And I'm like, well, Rick picked it originally. Why wouldn't somebody else pick it? You know, maybe it looked safe. Maybe it looked clean. Who knows? But she was, she just had a problem with, there's so many houses in that neighborhood. Why'd they have to come in and, and, and mess up what Rick had? <laughs> you know, she's thinking of it, you know, from Rick's point of view and, you know, the three of us and, and listeners and older folks, we, we tend to think of it. Uh, you know, story-wise or, or TV-wise. I don't know how else to say that, but um, she's, That's... like, putting herself in Rick's position, and it, it would have upset her, so she's upset that it happened, you know? That's that's what it amounts to. I mean, it's it's a TV show. That's why it happened. Like, they, sure, something needed to happen, and that's yeah. that, that's what happened. I mean, yeah, that's, that's an easy way to respond, but, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, yeah. I mean, if you want to really... The answer to that question is also just like the six-hour version of this episode where you just see them walking house to house and finding nothing. Then they finally find this house, and they decide, decide to settle in. Like that's, Yeah, and unfortunately, that is the answer to most of the questions. Why did this happen? Well, because it's TV. A wizard friend, did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when the show came back from hiatus, my friend Kevin watched uh, you know, the one with Carl, Rick, and Michonne, and he was, said, I was bored silly. I was bored to tears. That was the dumbest episode ever. I'm like, dude, they can't all be like bloodbaths and zombies. He's like, why not? I said, for one thing, it's too expensive to do that every episode. And he's like, well, yeah, I guess I can see that. It's kind of boring, too, I think, if it was you know, what we had every week. Yeah. And all, I mean, if you really want to get specific, Rick and Carl walked up to that house because that was the first house that they found from the position they entered that town in that, you know, was clear enough for to be a house to stay in. So if the same group right. of people came in the same way they came in, that could be the first house that they found that was acceptable to stay in. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to tell her. Is like, mm-hmm. they, he, you know, Rick picked it. Why wouldn't somebody else? So um, so we see the Sanctuary for All, Community for All sign again. Oh, I'm sorry, just kind of jumped the gun. You hadn't yeah, I'll get talked there. about that last tag. Go ahead and talk about that. Just one last thing. We do see the we see the guy that's looking out on the porch, and that's not like a huge actor or anything, but it is an actor I recognized. He's been in a lot of like TV series and stuff. He's like a character actor. So that's that, the one with the tennis ball, right? Yeah, yeah, that guy. And um, it, it clues me in on the fact that you're not just going to have him once and never see him again. So we're likely going to see this group down the line again, I feel. <laughs> but, uh, 
We'll see. We'll see. We might. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big guess, but I mean, he's, it's the kind of thing where they wouldn't really, given that they spent so much time not showing us these people, I don't think they'd spend enough time showing them just enough and, you know, casting someone that I do recognize from other things to just not have them ever show up ever again. So. Who knows? Maybe I'm completely way off, and they just had got a deal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, hmm. but uh, given you know the show needs drama, that could be a source of it. So we'll we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So moving on, uh, Glenn and company—they're backtracking to the uh, prison bus site, uh, hopefully to get a sense of where Maggie has gone. Um, and we kind of get a little bit of a conversation with Tara and Abraham about uh, Tara being a good person, and um, if Abraham's a good person, and curious to see where that goes uh, meanwhile rick's party follows the train tracks and they resolve to take the directions of a sign declaring sanctuary for all community for all those who those who arrive survive, survive. and that's of course the same sign that tyrese and carol and their and their group saw last week where they're heading so our groups are slowly finding their way back to each other i kind of got a sense that rick didn't want to have to make a decision to go there until he found everybody else in his group you know He's like, he was struggling. Do we go here and possibly get protection or do we try to find our other group? You know, like you, you feel some obligation to your, and they're a family now. So you feel, you feel obligation to find your family, to get back with them. But then again, you've got, you know, this place that sounds great. So it, it, I would hate, I would hate it to have had to have made that decision. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, what happens when they all get back together. I mean, imagine they'll all, I mean, what do you think, by the end of the season, they'll arrive in Terminus? Um, I bet, I bet it happens season? before the end. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like we have at least two more, uh, maybe at most two, but maybe one more episode of just, because the next one seems to be focused on like Daryl and, uh, and Beth again, Dream Team. And, um, the so, Dream Team. Yeah, so I'll be curious. I, I wouldn't imagine that's just going to be solely focused on them. So I feel you know we could we could start calling them death, death, like, yeah. like Benefer. team death, yeah, <laughs> team death. Got it. All right, barrel, Daryl, and or what barrel, barrel, yeah. barrel. The, the yeah. roll, the rolling barrel. Got it. I'll tell you what. I'll shoot these. Uh, air, I'll shoot these zombies with a crossbow, and you can sing at them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think at most we'll have two more episodes that would focus on them. You know, not all together, or at least not mostly together, and then we'll probably arrive at Terminus. But we'll see. I wonder if I wonder if Terminus is another name for something that readers are familiar with, and I can't, you know, I can't get more specific than that. Right? Yeah, I I I think it could be. I mean, it could go. It feels. It it could go either way, honestly. Like, I mean, it sounds and feels a bit familiar. Yeah, just the the possibilities feel. I just sense something that could happen well we'll see i mean like yeah. i said there's always a lot of, there are always a lot of differences between what is in the comic and what is in the show and um i mean it's a little too early i think to make the you know, judgment call like that so we'll see this how it plays true. out but it's fun to speculate oh it is it is hopefully it makes for good podcasting for sure yeah and i mean i mean like the first season ended on the cdc and that was never something there that never happened in the comics well, I mean, this is the first time with Abraham and Eugene that there's even been a hint of the bigger story of what caused the zombie outbreak and everything since that episode, you know, with um, Noah Emmerich and the CDC, you know? Very true, and it's interesting to see how that kind of plays into the show now and again, given that I think, not even as a comic reader, but just as, like, you know, a zombie fan in general, it's never really the cure or the grand situation that gets me excited about this kind of 
media, this kind of genres involving zombies. It's the, you know, the characters involved in the story that they're going through. So with the exception of something like World War Z, for example, in terms of the book and the movie, I mean, which attacks it on like a, a global pandemic type level, zombie stories tend to be very fairly closed off. So I really enjoyed them. Um, we interviewed Jonathan Mayberry uh, like about a year ago for the uh, podcast, and he wrote a book called Dead of Night, and it was pretty much like the origin, like the entire book was about the origin of a zombie outbreak. And I, I thought that was a cool take on it, you know, because usually, you know, you just get plot scraps here and there like we, we see here. And again, I I wouldn't say I necessarily expect this show to attack the virus full scale in terms of like we need to we need to really <laughs> center on this aspect of the show now. But I mean, if they continue to try and take it, you know, every now and then bring up that element, especially when you have this kind of Abraham Eugene Rosita plotline involving them on a mission to go to Washington and you know find, deal with the answer, I'll be curious to see how the show handles that. So, so yeah, that is the end of the episode. <laughs> Well, let's get to our Buster ratings for, for the episode of Claimed, and um, I'll go last this week since I've been talking about it the whole time, so let's start with let's start with Brad. Brad, what was your Buster rating for Claimed? I really liked it a lot. Um, I'm going to give it a solid four. Uh, I don't know what else you know I could say, any other more praise I could give to it than I have already have, but I wasn't dead. Like I said, I was white-knuckled at times, and, and I love feeling that way while watching this show. Um I really liked, you know, the three new characters, seeing them, getting to know a little bit about them. Uh, there was a lot in this episode for me, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely giving it a solid four. I liked it. Jim? I give it a 4.5. It's been one of my favorite episodes of the season. I love the stuff with Carla Michonne. I love the stuff with Rick uh, Home Alone, as it were, uh, trapped in the closet under the bed. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I love the way the whole sequence went down. Uh, the whole Abraham and Eugene part was great. I mean, we had a lot of action here without a lot of zombie kills this episode. If you think about it, we, you know, we had a few here and there, but, um, you know, most of the tension was from other humans and just from the scene itself. So I really appreciated that about the episode. Um, 4.5 out of 5 for me this week. They really filled their quota at the beginning with Abraham, like, getting that one cut right. with the, <laughs> the crowbar and then having to, like, squash its head with the rifle butt. It's like, wow, Abraham's getting jobs done here. Um, I, get, I give it a solid 4 as well. I'm with Brad on this one. Brad and I, man, we are agreeing up a storm on this episode. This is the weirdest show uh, ever. I, I, I love the tension of the Rick sequence. I love the relationship between uh, Carl and Michonne. And I enjoyed the kind of press, the new presence of Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene. I like their kind of what I'm calling more comic booky add-on to the series so far. It's kind of not necessarily lightening up things, but it's you know it's bringing the tone away from being completely dour after most of our people died in the previous couple episodes. I I, I enjoy the short shorts. <laughs> yeah. I'll go on record as saying that. Doesn't seem very practical, but you know who cares. I mean, it she's, gets hot down there. I'm she, telling she's you, she's mobile. <laughs> it gets hot down there. You should know you live in Texas, for God's sake. You know how it was like 34 degrees today. It was crazy. I, I think mean, our high tomorrow is going to be about eight. So for Texas, that's in this time of hmm. this, you know, this <laughs> part of February. That's still pretty cold. So. We had a lot of different. I'm sorry, we're and, not, um, you know, as north as you guys. That's what makes us all. The, our differences make us special. I'm over in SoCal, and it's been 70 degrees outside. I was playing disc golf today. It was awesome. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I didn't know you Thank lived you. in California. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I like that Brad always finds out something new about me every time we interact. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, I didn't know you were a black guy. I know. That was always I was like, what? 
Uh, we had a lot of uh, different ratings on the uh, the Facebook group. By the way, we have a really active Facebook group. Uh, if you want to check it out, the Walking Dead TV podcast on Facebook. We have a lot of really cool people who like to post a lot of really cool things, and uh, they all gave us their thoughts on this episode. Uh, Brent Jones gives it a uh, three slow-moving storylines out of five. Felt like 30 minutes worth of story strung out over 60 minutes, although he did like the Rick scenes. Uh, f- 3.5 punctured gas tanks from uh, Robert Nigro. Uh, Carl Hooker, 4.5 crazy cheese cans out of five. Uh, Sarah Ann Howard, I really enjoyed the episode. 4.5 out of five insane paintings in the hallway. Uh, great character development with Carla Michonne. Uh, I agree. I really like that's Those are the scenes that really made this episode for me, too. A 3.9 craft cheddar easy cheese cans out of five from Craig DeMonda. Uh, Max Sofer gives us four squirts of crazy cheese out of five. Uh, 3.75 lonely tennis players out of five. Uh, really enjoyed the PV, POV camera work. That's from uh, Shalom Bensavega. Uh, Belinda Clark Cake, four out of five rotting corpses and riotously pink rooms. Uh, four T-Dogs from Philip Hurd. I'm interested in the new characters. I don't think Glenn buys their mission, and neither do I. Nice to get a break from Lizzie Borden's creep show. <laughs> That's That was a good line. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, 4.5 muzzle-sweeping weapon safety violations <laughs> out of 5 from Michael Santana. Holy cow, this far into the zombie apocalypse, and Eugene pulls that stunt? Abraham should have worked him over for that being a military man. I've seen Marine recruits have their souls swallowed for nearly muzzle-sweeping on the, on the rifle range. Uh, Newt Knight, four out of five mullets. Uh, he gives it. Turbin argues it four mullets out of five. I enjoyed this episode. My favorite part was how they took the time to focus on the relationship of Carl and Michonne. Evar Santa Maria, I second the motion. It makes this official buster thread 3.5 clueless looters. The Michonne-Carl dynamic was a bit hit or miss. Uh, why did Rick give Carl his gun? Uh, as we said earlier in the episode, because it's a TV show. Uh, Belinda Carcake, four out of five riding corpses. Kimberly Crackman. Uh, Andrew Lincoln is so consistent with keeping Rick such a believable character. Kudos. And Glenn finally told someone to stick it. Uh, Mike Jones, five home invaders out of five. Carl Hooker, 4.5 crazy cheese cans out of five. Great tension building with the looters in the house scene. Um, 4.5 out of five insane paintings in the hallway. Uh, four out of seven minutes in heaven, locked in a trunk with Daryl. <laughs> so I guess that'd be a four out of five from Elisa Gonzalez. Um, 4.5 or four out of five from, uh, uh, Busters from Luke Smith. Love the intense moments with Rick and the Marauders. Hope we see them again. And, uh, also if, uh, you're interested, uh, you can get a lot of links from our group. Um, a lot of, you can link to, uh, Aaron's review of the show that's on the young com now. And, uh, can all, a lot of pertinent news gets posted there in that Facebook group, and we have a lot of cool discussions about the show and the characters, and it's pretty spoiler-free as far as the comics. We really don't get too deep into that. So it's, a, it's, a great place, it's a great place to interact with the fans of the TV show, and I know some of the members of the group actually started another group that is very comic-spoiler-friendly, so it's a nice way to take away... It's, it's a nice way to take that element out of this show's group page so we can just keep not having worrying about spoilers to happen, but yeah, it's fun. Everyone interacts there. I, I post my reviews there that I do the write-ups for, and we obviously try to get the Buster threads out there. So it's absolutely. So join the fun. Uh, it's the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group on the Facebooks. <laughs> All right, Jim. How about you uh, go into the uh, our, the old sponsors for the show? Well, uh, thank you for paying our bills this week. DCBService.com. It is your place. It is your connection. It is your pusher man. If you want to find 
all of your pop culture goodies. That you'll find them at ridiculously reduced prices. 45, 50, 60% off sometimes. This week, uh, one of their big things. 50% off all new DC trades and hardcovers. Do you like Batman? Do you like the Superman? If you wanted to check out you know, Batman Year One or the, you know, the, um, the Dark Knight uh, Returns or a lot of the things you've heard about that you've never you know, checked out before. 50% off all DC, uh, uh, DCB service, all DC trade paperbacks and hardcovers. Also, they have uh, right now uh, another huge discounted deal. Uh, Image Comics, the people that put out The Walking Dead. 50% off on an Image Bundle. You get all the comics that Image is putting out this month at 50% off cover price. That's cheaper than Amazon, and that's cheaper than you're going to find them at your, at your local comic book store. Go to their website. It's not just comic books. They also have action figures, uh, T-shirts, hoodies. If you're looking for Walking Dead merch, uh, it's a great place to go. Even if you don't want to read the Walking Dead comics, if you want a cool Michonne hoodie, or if you want a, uh, a Daryl Dixon action figure of your very own, uh, that you can post suggestively on your desk and show off at work. <laughs> um, you know, anything that you're looking for, pop culture-wise, you will find it at DCB service, and you will find it at a major discount. And if you've gotten into the digital comics lately, buy your digital comics through DCB service and earn rewards toward free comics. So uh, 5% toward your DCB so, uh, orders for everything you order from Comixology, which is a cool deal, because I get my comics from Comixology, and... It's just like they're giving me free money for a game the comics I'd get anyway. So DCBService.com, check them out for all your pop culture needs, your Walking Dead needs, anything like that. But don't ask them to make you dinner because they don't do that. All right, so that thanks for that, Jim. That's going to do it for um, this main part of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Um, you, uh, stay tuned, and we'll detail the, uh, the the overview of the next episode really quick. You know, the the brief preview it has there for people that you know don't don't want to be spoiled on that. Just Here's some last details. Um, of course, you can find um, all the episodes of the Walking Dead TV podcast at hhwlod.com, along with the many other shows there, including the Long Box of Doom, Half Hour Wasted, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Incapod Crankcast, Jersey Shore, Shaken Not Stir. This is me trying to remember every show offhand. It's um, crazy how much we do. I yeah. mean, I mean, thank God we're multi-millionaire moguls from doing it, or else we wouldn't be able to do it all. Right, guys? And, of course, there's the Facebook page that we've talked about, facebook.com, the Walking Dead TV podcast. You can just search that and find it. Or you can find us at Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash WDTV podcast. Um, I believe we're all on Twitter as well. I'm at Aaron's PS4. Jim? I'm at Yoda Jones. Brad? I'm at Brad Milo. It's M-I-L-Y-O. I want to remind people about our network uh, voicemail line. It's 972-798-3830. You can leave a voice message for any of the shows on our network. If you want to leave one for WDTV, uh, do so and uh, let us know up front that it's uh, for the Walking Dead TV show, uh, TV podcast, and we'll make sure it gets to the right people. Great. Jim, any other plugs you want to throw in there? I uh, just wanted to let everybody know that if, you're, if you love movies, uh, check out HHWLOD Podcast Network over the next few weeks where we're going to be doing our 20 Favorite Movies Project over all of our shows. Uh, we we did a thing where we collated everyone's 20 favorite movies and made a huge master list, and we're going to spin out a whole bunch of shows about that uh, out of that. So uh, check that out in the next few weeks. Awesome. And, um, yeah, of course, I, I, I write written reviews for The Walking Dead every week as well. That's over at theyoungfolks.com, so you can check over there, and I post them on the Facebook page as well. So, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Jim, parting words? Uh, since Jordan isn't here, it's left to me. Uh, when there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember... Crazy cheese is forever. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.
And next week, real quick, the episode 12 is called Still, and the description is as follows. Faced with the day-to-day survival of life outside shelter, a simple request by someone in the group leads to a bizarre but enlightening mission. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So many spoilers in that one. Something interesting I noticed that David David S. Goyer is going to be directing an episode. Yeah, he's directing the finale. Yeah, for real. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Anyway. Tell people who he is for those that don't know. David S. Goyer is responsible for a lot of the various comic media that have turned into movies, including having a co-hand in the screenplays for the Dark Knight, uh, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, um, uh, the Blade films. Um, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, starring David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Ghost Riders, I believe, he had a story credit in there. He's a, uh, and he's of course he's done his, he's done work on what the the Flash for, the Flash Forward that show. Um, I think he has another show, Da Vinci's Demons, currently on Stars right now. Like he's he's a big geek. He's known for writing a lot of the geek properties. Yeah, he definitely has the sensibility to direct an episode of the show. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that completely unrelated news item out of the way, <laughs> thanks for listening and have a good week, everybody. Oh,